Hello everybody um, and Kiora. Welcome to today's webinar on Australia and New Zealand um, roads capability analysis 2022-2032. Uh, my name is Ekaterina, I'm a Senior Communications Officer at Austroads, and I will be moderating today's session together with Jeff Allen, Austroads Chief Executive. Jeff is one of our presenters today, and he will also moderate uh, the Q&A at the end of the session. I would like to start by acknowledging the Treaty of Waitani and Maori as the regional people of New Zealand. I also acknowledge the Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people as the custodians of the land from which we are broadcasting today. Austroth is based in Sydney and so today I'm on the land of the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation. I pay my respect to all this past, present and emerging and a deep and ongoing connection to the land. A bit about Austroads. Um, we are the collective of Australasian um, um, transport agencies and our focus is to support our member organization to deliver an improved road transport network. A bit of housekeeping. Um, our presenters will speak for about 40 minutes and then we will have a Q&A session for about 15 minutes. The slides and the report can be downloaded from the handout section of your sidebar, which you will find um, on the right-hand side of your screen. To send us your questions for the Q&A, please use the question icon on your sidebar. Um, if your question relates to any particular slide, include the number of that slide in your message um, to help us answer your question as best as we can. Also let us know if you have any technical problems. Um, a quick tip, if you lose sound or your picture freezes, the issue is most likely with your internet connection. So leaving the session, closing your browser and rejoining um, the webinar using your email registration usually helps. Um, the session is being recorded and we will let you know when the recording is available on our website. If you listen to podcasts, you can also find our shorts in your podcast app. So it gives me great pleasure to introduce our presenters for today. Uh, we will first hear from Jeff Allen, um, Australia's Chief Executive. Jeff has a strong interest in built environment and a passion for improving outcomes for the community. Our second presenter is Adrian Hart. Adrian is the project lead for this study. Um, he manages Oxford Economics Construction and Infrastructure Unit, uh, which undertakes uh, in an extensive range of forecasting and research work uh, for the construction and related sectors. After Adrian, we will hear from Thomas Creevy. He is um, an economist at Oxford Economics Australia. Um, he acted as the lead in the development of the dashboard component um, for this analysis. Um, so welcome to all our presenters um, and over to you, Jeff. Thank you, Ekaterina, and thank, and thank you everyone for joining us. This, this project is important for our Austroads and Austroads members. It is the fifth iteration of the Roads Workforce Capability Analysis. I'm pleased to say that Oxford Economics and its predecessors, BIS Shrapnel, have been involved with us along the entire journey. So it provides good continuity in terms of the reports that have been presented over the last five iterations, almost 20 years. And this work is important, I know, to our members, which are road agencies in terms of planning their work, but they're also important to many industry players in terms of allowing them to understand what the dynamics are and allow them to under, undo uh, to better plan their workforce needs and capabilities. What we are doing as part of this series though is a couple of new innovations and one of those are some dashboards and we aim to update those every six months to provide to uh, the industry and to our members an indication of how the demand for skills is changing. And with that, I'll now hand over to Adrian. Over to you, Adrian. Apologies. Uh, hi everyone and uh, thanks for joining this webinar on the Austroads studies uh, that we've been doing on, on skills. Uh, as Jeff mentioned, uh, Oxford Economics Australia has been involved in these studies for 20 years um, and I've been involved with them for all that time. So I'm getting a bit old. Uh, I am 
you know, a bit more experienced at, at looking at this, but certainly I've enjoyed the challenge and the interesting sort of patterns of skills that we're going to be needing uh, to deliver roads infrastructure in uh, the roads industry right across Australia and New Zealand. Just a quick uh, recap of, of who's in the team. Um, it's obviously a big study by Austroads uh, that is being delivered and uh, there's a strong Austroads leadership team that's been involved combined with our own Oxford economics team. Um, but every uh, state and territory roads agency as well as the local government association has also been involved in helping us uh, understand the challenges uh, that are being faced by uh, roads agencies right across Australia and transport agencies right across Australia, as well as you know the, the particular skills uh, that we're going to need. A little bit about us, uh, Oxford Economics, we have been around you know, th through our predecessor BIS Shrapnel since 1964. We focus a lot on the uh, infrastructure industry and construction particularly, um, and related sectors such as maintenance, because these are really big drivers of the economy. So the more we understand these sectors, uh, the more better sort of e economists we become in, in forecasting the economy. Uh, and so we take a very deep look at all infrastructure across Australia and New Zealand, and that puts us in a very good stead uh, for doing these kinds of analyses. A bit about the project. I mean, obviously we're looking at skills. We know that there's demand side challenges as well as supply side factors. And what we try and do is that we quantify these, which is very challenging to do, try to understand the amount and number of people we're going to need, uh, the type of skills we're going to need across a range of, of service objectives. We also look at the current supply side of the market. Where are people coming from? Um, are they coming through the education system? Are they coming through migration? Are we taking them through other industries and, and upskilling? What we're trying to do is understand more about how we're going to meet potential workforce gaps uh, because what we've been saying if you go back to our many uh, roads studies that we've done with Austroads we always have been under the pressure there's been engineering skills challenges uh, related technological skills challenges and and skills in having the right trades and professions now what we try and do is we deliver this in a quantifiable way and and what's different this time round is that we are delivering it through both reports and dashboards. So the dashboards are a great new uh, approach because what it means is that we can easily update as new data becomes available and you can sort of see how the, the gap challenge and the types of skills we're going to need is going to differ. And Tom Creevey is going to lead you through this um, later on in this webinar. To understand you know, the challenges, it's more than just a quantitative exercise. Uh, we have to do a lot of discussions and talk. Um, a lot of great ideas and knowledge about the challenges actually comes from roads agencies and transport agencies themselves. So we interview everyone to try and understand what their particular pinch points are. And we also look at the private sector, industry associations, education, um, government agencies and uh, related agencies as well. So we're trying to get a full picture uh, from talking to a range of stakeholders in the industry as to where the skills are coming from, where are the pinch points, what sort of skills do agencies need uh, going forward? And that's a, a very qualitative uh, process, um, a lot of interviews, a lot of discussions, but that's where we get a lot of ideas um, particularly around how we're going to meet the skills challenge. But the core of the work, of course, is quantification. I mean, this is what gives us real data that we're then able to make important decisions with. And basically, I've got up on the screen here an example of the sorts of quantifications that we do. We're looking at demand and supply, and we're looking at gaps, and we're trying to measure that gap every year. Now, these are across different clusters. We talk about a design cluster, that's more your engineers and, and consulting engineers. Uh, artisans uh, are looking more at your trades, your informers and technologists, they're looking more at policy, 
and decision makers, um, as well as your technologists, which are looking more at the IT capabilities and, and, and all the new technologies that we're going to need to deliver and maintain and operate roads. So we, of course, go much deeper than this in the report and in the dashboards, as Tom will show you. We can go down to very, very uh, detailed occupation codes, but the cluster framework is useful because jobs within the same cluster are more, certainly we can have people moving between them a little more easily than say moving artisans into technologist clusters and, and so on. The dashboards Tom Creevy will demonstrate very soon, um, but this gives us a very high level of uh, dy dynamic sort of analysis that you can do. Um, you can pick the, the regions, the clusters, the, the occupations, and you can find out so much more about them than what's even in the report. Um, there's a lot of data in here, and this will be made available so that you can go through and, and gather a whole lot of uh, useful information about not just where the gaps are, but the correlated sorts of skills, other adjacent occupations uh, and so on that may be useful in sort of assisting you uh, plan workforces going forward. So to actually go to the analysis, we have to look first of all at the demand side. And on the demand side, I just wanna lead you through just a few of our core findings about where we see demands going forward. Now, in the road space, of course, there's a construction element, there's a maintenance element, there's operations, but construction's a big driver of, of workforces, uh, both within agencies and their pull on skills that they need in the broader industry. And this here shows our construction outlook for Australia, um, broken down into different parts of the construction industry. Uh, Rhodes fits in the engineering construction space, that, that's the blue bars. What I wanna point out here is that Australia is actually operating at a very high level of construction work. Um, outside of the resources boom, where we had a lot of oil and gas investment particularly, um, this is the highest level of work done we've ever seen in the country. And we've already got challenges in actually delivering this construction work. Those challenges are probably gonna keep construction activity a bit constrained in the near term. And in fact, we are factoring in a bit of a weakening in residential construction, even though we need to build a lot more houses. But later on, I wanna point you towards that big lift that we see in construction. Later on, there's a lot more synchronizing in construction work. We get residential building coming back, non-residential building coming back, strong population growth in Australia. And we also see a pivoting in engineering construction, particularly as we lead more of the energy transition, um, more mining activity, more other sorts of utilities activities on top of the transport task. This is gonna create real pressures in our view as to getting skills and retaining them particularly later on. For New Zealand, uh, we have a very sort of similar story except in New Zealand, the residential market is uh, a lot bigger part of the total construction industry. So the total construction market, we're anticipating to fall a little bit more significantly in the near term before recovering again later on. But the same sorts of pressures apply. And I wanna talk with you a little bit about what this means actually for the road sector. In roads, what we're seeing compared to when I was doing these studies back in you know, the mid 2000s, um, we knew that big waves of road construction were coming. Um, we privatized assets, we, we used the private sector to build roads alongside big public, um, publicly funded roads programs. And we've seeing a lift in roads activity right now again, as you know, we've been waiting for it to come through, but it is coming through. And the June quarter national accounts actually showed quite a substantial jump in publicly funded um, investment, uh, a lot of which was roads. What you'll see from this chart though, is that on the construction side at least, we are anticipating to see um, a bit of a peaking in that road load right across Australia. Uh, it's very different state by state. So I'm not saying this is the same picture that you might be seeing in Victoria versus New South Wales or Queensland. But the story is one of a high task, a growing task over the next few years, 
and then a bit of a retreat uh, as particularly other sectors start to come back to the fore, particularly in the building space and the energy transition and in resources. Um, so the challenge is actually, how do we meet this load in the near term, but also how do we retain people so they don't all go and, and work in, in other industry sectors because we are still gonna continue to build a high level of, of roads going forward. For New Zealand, I think the main difference here is that we're seeing quite a substantial lift in the near term and in the longer term, roads activity is still anticipated uh, to be higher than it is now. And so there is a significant uplift in the New Zealand numbers. And part of that is the fact that a lot of more of the share of roads activity in New Zealand is in maintenance and renewal works. And that's being incredibly tested at the moment as we go through some major disasters in New Zealand and major flooding events. And there's a substantial demand for, for roads uh, to be rebuilt um, and after those uh, disasters. But again, the challenge later on is how do we retain these skills because Australia's gonna be needing more, um, New Zealand's gonna want to be doing more, and, and overall, there is still gonna be a very strong demand for skills because of these demand profiles. As I said, it's very different state by state. So you will see New South Wales, um, continue to see a drive in roads activity. And in Victoria, we think we're getting close to the peak. It might be a little bit um, here and there, you know, whether or not the peak is this year or next year. But certainly uh, big projects like North East Link will keep things moving there before um, we start to see a decline later on. Queensland's got a very strong roads profile. It's sustained over a long period of time. And South Australia still has uh, a large chunk of roads through the north-south sort of collection of roads that are continuing to be built um, along that corridor. But again, state by state, as you can see here, very different profiles and, and the smaller states, particularly in territories such as the ACT, very much influenced by major project activity when it comes through. That's the that's a big driver of the demand side of the equation. Now on the supply side, we have to understand a little bit more about where are the skills coming from and where we even capture them in, in our statistics. Now we're using a lot of census data and the ANZIC sort of system, the standard industry classification, um, as well as ANSCO, which is the occupational classifications. But in terms of industries, there's no single road sector in that we can just say, here is the road sector and, and here's all the employment that goes into it. So we have to estimate it as best we can by taking the census population of those that say they work in road and bridge construction, those that work in, say, they might say they work for state and local government, they might say they work in non-building construction or in professional scientific and technical services. I mean, that's a lot where our engineers and surveyors and, and construction project managers all tend to position themselves. And so we know that the road sector is actually sprinkled right through a lot of the industries that are recorded. And we have to do our best estimates of, of how we take a share of that. Now a big share you know, would come out of road and bridge construction, but you'll see a lot of people come out of those other sectors as well. I mentioned before about the cluster framework that we use. Um, this is the same cluster framework that we actually used from the previous uh, Ostrode study, which was novel. Um, it was new in that study. Um, and basically what we're saying here is that we, we, we use a framework where we can define occupations a little bit more into their transferability between each other. Now that we're mainly using the top three clusters here, artisans, designers and others like informers and technologists. Uh, when you go and look at the new work mindset where we're sourcing this cluster framework, you'll find that the generators, coordinators and carers, um, not that there's not carers, um, but certainly um, we tend to dominate a lot of our roads workforce with the top three clusters or four clusters. And that's generally what we use in this study. So when we apply that cluster framework and uh, estimating tools, uh, 
you can see the total numbers of people that are in these various industry sectors, say in New Zealand, um, but we only have a relatively, uh, obviously a subset of those, of those numbers actually in the roads workforce. And we estimate about 13,000 people in the roads workforce directly in New Zealand, whether working for government or with industry. Um, and the public roads workforce, that's the government side, is, is about a bit over 5,000 people. In Australia, it's a lot bigger, of course. Uh, we estimate using the same principles, about 85,000 people are in the roads workforce. There's a big private sector element there um, with close to 50,000 in the private sector and 37, 38,000 in the public roads workforce right across Australia. Now, the issue is, is that that's our current workforce. Over the next 10 years, that current workforce will start to decline just by demography alone, uh, ignoring the fact that people move out of sectors and, and come in. But if we just think about demography, the age of the workforce means that we'll always see some people retiring each year. Unfortunately, some people will be dying each year too. Um, that's the dismal science of economics coming back. So that existing workforce line is shown here as a blue line on this chart. And it's essentially declining over time to represent those demographic effects. And we estimate that between 12 and 13% of the workforce is actually lost purely by that demography alone. In order to reboost the workforce, uh, we need to get people from somewhere and we analyse where people are coming through, whether through the education system or through net migration. But not only do they have to be enough people coming through to rebuild the existing workforce, uh, back towards that yellow line there, but do we also have to meet what is potentially rising demand? And so we have to get back up to the blue line. Otherwise, we end up with what we refer to in the report as a capability gap. And it's very different occupation by occupation, but these are the core sort of concepts that we use in this report and what we have used in, in previous, all previous editions of the report. Now, in terms of net overseas migration, um, that's expected to be quite strong um, in the near term because New Zealand and Australia uh, closed borders during the pandemic and now we've got a lot more people back. But it's even probably going overshooting in, in some cases. Where we are concerned about is where we're getting people through the current education system, as I'll show you. So this is the education uh, completions. These are the vocational education training completions in Australia. Um, in areas where which flow into the roads sort of workforce, and what concerns me a lot about this chart is how few, much fewer completions there are um, than where we were about a decade ago. Uh, at a time when we're building roads more than ever in Australia, we're getting fewer people coming through the VET system. So that is a real uh, supply side threat uh, in order to meet capacity going forward. And we see a similar trend in New Zealand, by the way. I'm just showing the chart here for Australia. For New Zealand, oh sorry, in terms of um, university completions on the other hand, it's a bit reversed. We've got higher completions coming through. Um, we, we're definitely seeing a trend towards people wanting a university degree as opposed to a diploma or a TAFE style qualification. Um, and that's a challenge because obviously not all uh, occupations that we need in the roads industry need university qualifications, but that's certainly the, the trend in terms of where people are looking to be educated. Um, we certainly would like to see a lot more people coming through the VET sector particularly. I talked about migration earlier. Um, we might have to start updating these charts and I'm glad we got the, the dashboard system that will be supplying updates in 2024 and 25 because we're already starting to see some upside to this number. Um, this is the net overseas migration, the blue line for Australia. Um, you may not know, but certainly pre-COVID, uh, we were bringing about 200,000 people net terms into Australia every year. 
during the peak of the resources boom, it was 300,000. Um, it used to be a lot more um, in the resources boom, and we're going back to resource boom levels of migration again. So this could be a way that we could help meet some of our goals uh, in terms of having skills and capacity and, and competency, um, as long as the skills are matched um, and we're able to get people and they're able to work uh, in that capacity. For New Zealand, by the way, I'll just point out, it's a very similar story. In fact, uh, longer term in New Zealand, the net overseas migration is a little bit higher than what it used to be pre-COVID. So again, this might be an important way in which New Zealand is able to meet some of its skills needs. In terms of the key insights from the report, I'll just highlight these very quickly because I want to give Tom time to demonstrate the dashboard capabilities that you'll have access to as part of this study. Um, and certainly what we see from our analysis is just the sheer pressure that New Zealand is going to be under. So I'm going to present just results in aggregate for New Zealand and in aggregate for Australia. Um, New Zealand has this, the, this, the larger challenge when it comes to skills gaps. It's partly because of the strong increases in demand that we're anticipating in the next few years, but it's also because demand doesn't drop away all that dramatically later on. Um, we anticipate that the roads activity in terms of maintenance, construction, operations and network management of roads will continue to be very significant uh, for New Zealand right through the next decade. And so the challenge will be actually retaining your existing staff in New Zealand, uh, making sure they don't go to Australia unless you know there's there's an agreement there. But certainly in terms of uh, making sure that not only you retain them, but you're getting more, that you're able to get more people through education, the appropriate education, training, and through migration channels or through inter-industry sort of transfers where you see people with the right qualifications, but they might be working in resources or in another industry sector. Australia is a little bit different in aggregate, though this story certainly isn't the same uh, state by state. And here the challenge is more that in the near term, and particularly over the next five years, we see a definite capacity challenge, um, capability challenge. We're gonna struggle to continue to fill roles just because of the sheer levels of road works that we're trying to deliver and maintain. Um, over the second half of the projection, however, uh, it becomes a little bit different. We see that the roads activities actually start to ease a little bit from very generational high levels of activity. However, this is happening at a time when the rest of the construction industry in Australia is really lifting. It's a really strong phase of growth. There's energy transition, there's mining and resources, there's a lot of we expect a lot of water infrastructure and dam building. All of these things are gonna take a pull on whatever resources you have in the road sector. So the challenge that we see for agencies, particularly over the second half of the next decade, is how do you hold on to your staff in that environment where you're gonna get a lot of pressure uh, for skills to move into the industries that are crying out for resources. <clears throat> Pardon me. So what we see is that there are some significant skills challenges to be addressed. Um, in the report, you can see it in a bit more detail than what I've got here, but certainly we see a range of skills where we're under pressure, where the demand is, is, is increasing faster than our ability to supply. The other thing is, as it came out of this, is that there are a range of um, asset management uh, occupations, whether it be the asset managers themselves or asset inspectors, uh, where we realise that this is a developing skill set um, that is really needed um, to manage our asset base, but it's not really well reflected in ANSCO. And we're trying to capture it as best we can, uh, but in future what we'd like to do is to be able to add sort of more data on how many people actually exist in these occupations in roads agencies going forward. The other big challenges, of course, is that demand is gonna become more regional. 
Um, we're building a lot of big infrastructure in cities at the moment, but actually it's going to start spreading out, um, becoming a lot more regional. How do you attract people into those regional environments? Um, meeting the ongoing up training requirements, uh, particularly as new technologies uh, assist us. We're all moving to digital engineering now and, and digital technologies. Um, really climate, I haven't spoken too much about that, but we're going to have to become very much aware of how we're meeting our climate objectives uh, through roads and that's going to require its own skill sets going forward. And, and most of all, it's all around asset planning, asset management, and maintenance. Um, actually trying to maintain a level of funding for maintenance going forward to optimise the use of assets over time is going to be one of the big challenges, uh, not just in a skills sense, but in making sure that we're able to maintain the funding for that. And so that's all brought out in the report. I'd, re I'd recommend you, you read through the, the key findings of the report and the recommendations. Um, we talk about how do we attract people into regional areas, for instance? Um, how do we try and relieve some of those retention issues? Um, because we will expect that retention is going to be the big issue facing the roads industry um, over the next uh, a decade. There's still an ageing workforce going on. I know a lot of baby boomers and that generation have moved into retirement, but people retire earlier in different occupations within the roads industry and while people might think well we don't have enough funding to retire so we're going to keep moving uh, and keep working um, there is a risk that over the next decade you will see that significant attrition come through as, as the rest of the baby boomers move into retirement and the subsequent generations um, how to improve inclusion and diversity is going to be important in order to meeting the skills challenge um, and making sure that we maintain um, that supply of skills into the sector, um, particularly as we try to even reach out locally and develop local skills uh, and bring people through uh, that way. I'd like to now just pass to Tom, uh, who will lead you through a bit of a discussion around the dashboards. I'm sorry, Tom, I probably only left you about 10 minutes, but I'm hoping that we'll still have plenty of time at the end for questions, but over to you, Tom. Thanks, Adrian. Uh, yeah, plenty of time to go through it. Um, thanks everyone for coming to the webinar. Um, as Adrian mentioned, and also Jeff mentioned, this time around in the project, we decided to introduce a dashboard element to the report. Um, the purpose of this being a number of reasons. Firstly, as Adrian mentioned, uh, we're going to be looking to update this on a regular basis to make sure that um, as the industry develops, we keep updating the data and give a refreshed insight into what we think is going to be happening. As well as that, we uh, think it's important that this data can be accessed easily and cut in any different way that uh, a user may want to or you guys may want to look at it and may help make decisions. Um, and thirdly, because of the recent focus more on skills below occupations and workforce, but particular skills that underlie each employee or each occupation, um, we wanted to incorporate additional data beyond what we traditionally forecast in the report to include uh, our broader forecast base, as well as incorporate information from other information from the ABS or the great work done by Jobs and Skills Australia, particularly on the skills front. Um, so that's where we came up with this development of this dashboard. Uh, this was developed through consultation with the Austro's members and rounds of feedback and focuses on specific use cases. So the way we wanted to present this was to make sure that this answers the questions that people are interested in. So you can see uh, through the dashboard navigation here how we've uh, focused on that. The executive summary being the first page, which really help, uh, is aligned with people who don't have much time, people looking to get the key information for their region or, or a particular occupation, get a bit of um, hierarchy given to them to show what's important at the moment, and then draw draw a snip out and head off. We're also interested in those people who want to dive into the data a bit more, which is why we included this in-depth analysis. And that's where people would go to first off look at the 
key region and occupation information, but then also compare this across states, look at um, more information on attrition, where uh, new, how many new entrants we expect to be entering the workforce, that sort of information. Then the next two slides here, skills analysis and industry supply, really focuses on that jobs and skills data, This, as well as integrating that in with our forecasting that we do in the traditional report. So that's where we uh, went further in this report and looking to forecast specific, for specific skills in the roads workforce um, and then also provide information on other occupations that have similar skills to the core workforce of um, the roads road sector in Australia and New Zealand and just provide information on, okay, if we're having shortages of uh, procurement managers, for example, where else can we look to to try and find that supply to support um, our ongoing work? We then have a number of additional uh, aggregations in the workforce segment, and then some interesting demographic information that really refers back to what Adrian was referring to with how impactful the age and demographics of the current workforce is. And this just allows people to look at that in a bit more depth and compare that, uh, compare the age and tenure um, across different occupations and regions with all the other regions. And then finally, um, once again, as Adrian mentioned, all, it's always important to consider the capability gap and the out workforce outlook in conjunction with the wider construction sector. So this final slide here, dashboard here, just allows a comparison between the road sector and the public road sector and the total construction sector, looking at different occupations and regions to really draw out um, further insight into what we need to be thinking about to retain the staff moving forward. So I'll just move into the executive summary quickly and I'll give a run through of a couple of these dashboards as well as the functionality that you might see. Um, before I begin, uh, this dashboard will be made available um, soon on the Austro's website and we'll be keeping you up to date on when that will be coming out. So this will be able to be accessed coming soon. Um, so the main functionality of these dashboards, as I've alluded to, is the ability to select both uh, region and occupation. So within this executive summary, I can select Australia or I can select um, New South Wales for civil engineers. And this chart over here will just change and show me the outlook for that particular occupation, what the capability gap is, what demand and supply are looking like. However, for the executive summary, we've found it important to identify risks upfront so we don't have to go searching for information. So this table over here outlines the current supply risk and the future supply risk of particular occupations within the selected region, and then the peak demand period. So we can see that being uh, 2026 in New South Wales for um, all of these occupations. Um, then we have here uh, just some key information and key insights about what is driving this outlook, um, being uh, attrition rate, people entering the workforce and the demand outlook. Then the next uh, dashboard I wanted to show you was the in-depth analysis. So on the left here, we'll see the, this, this is actually the same chart as in the executive uh, summary. However, it has additional and slightly different information below it and in the top boxes up here. And also we wanted to allow people to compare this against um, other regions, what's occurring there. So when I'm considering uh, this, capability gap in 2024, I can say, okay, we're having a capability gap. We might need to source from other regions or other occupations. However, we're actually seeing quite a large capability gap across all um, regions at that time. And if I decided to select a different uh, occupation, I can select by region, cluster, or occupation. Uh, if I look to change to, say, um, procurement managers, we'll see that change automatically as the data comes through, and we can look at this uh, moving forward. The next slide is where the novel part of this round of update comes through, and that is looking at how, that's looking below the level of occupation and saying, okay, we, we need to fulfill all this work um, in the future. These are the skills we require to fulfill it. How are we looking in terms of, do we need to increase our ability 
uh, in a particular skill, or do we have a bit of uh, a bit of room uh, looking forward? So this uh, dashboard has two main sections. The first being a selection of occupation. So I can look at whichever occupation I wanted to pick. Um, I pick surveyors and spatial scientists, and I can look at um, a breakdown of how, how this occupation typically spends their time on a day-to-day -day basis. So what particular tasks they spend their time doing. So for surveys and spatial scientists, we see uh, the majority, of the, well, the largest portion of the time is calculating geographic positions from survey data. I can then uh, say I'm interested in that, pop over to this side on the left and uh, look for that one. Uh, it'll be here. And I can see what the outlook um, for that particular skill is in my selected state. If I was to say, uh, change this to uh, NT, I could see that this changes the outlook. We have a slightly smaller capability gap towards the end. Um, or if I look at New Zealand, we're likely to see a, um, a capability gap at the end as there's still quite a significant amount of demand um, towards the later years of the forecast. Um, yes, yeah, so this information teams with the next slide, which highlights the where we can begin to look for uh, other people to pull in if we do have a capability gap. So for example, if I had selected uh, civil engineers in New South Wales, I could look over at this table over here and see a list of other occupations that have very similar skills and a similarity matching and begin to consider them as a secondary pool that I may want to pull from. An interesting one to look at could be project managers, for example. Um, if I wanted to, uh, there was a shortage of project managers at the moment, I can start looking at contract administrators and policy and planning managers as a secondary source of supply moving forward. Additionally, over here on the left, this, this chart over here gives a bigger picture of the total size of the um, sub supply within the chosen occupation across all of the regions. We can also select which um, workforce uh, definition we want. So we can select private workforce, private roads workforce, and it will show how that um, size differs. I can also select total all sectors. So this is across the entire economy of New South Wales and uh, of uh, Australia and New Zealand or the total roads workforce. And this just gives a bigger picture of the total pie that we can pull from if we are experiencing shortages. Uh, additionally, it highlights the different skills that um, the selected occupation uses on a day-by-day -day basis up the top here, just so um, we can look when considering a contract administrator as a secondary pool for project managers, what that looks like on a day-to-day -day basis. Um, further, Looking at the age and tenure analysis, as mentioned, this is all about understanding uh, how the future of the workforce may be impacted by the aging aging population um, through retirement and deaths in the workforce. Um, it's particularly interesting looking at it across by comparing across different regions. For example, if I look at mobile plant operators in Queensland, the attrition rate uh, is quite quite standard um, in that compared to all the other regions. However, if I go to look at, I see over here that WA has quite a higher attrition rate for that particular occupation, I can go and see what's causing that. And we'll see here that although it looks only slight on the um, existing age distribution, that uh, older workforce does have quite a bigger difference with 20, only 20% 20 of population of the um, workforce under 25 compared to 26% in, uh, in Queensland. Finally, um, the total construction. So this slide allows us to compare the outlook um, by region and cluster. So this one is done at a cluster level across New Zealand or all the regions for the public roads workforce, as well as the total construction, allowing us to say, okay, in the um, later years of the forecast here, New Zealand has quite has a decreasing, although still quite sizable, capability gap in the artisan um, cluster. What we're also seeing is that during this period, total construction sector is also experiencing quite a bit of a 
um, capability gap. So it's going to be quite difficult to pull people from other parts of the economy. If I look at this on for Australia, the, although the story is quite different, the way to uh, consider this is quite similar. As Adrian mentioned, we are going to be experiencing a bit of a surplus towards the later years and a um, deficit in the early years. However, what, when we're seeing this surplus in the later years, we can see that the demand from the total construction sector for the, for artisans, being um, uh, people who work with their hands, uh, labourers or machine operators, um, there's going to be quite a bit of difficulty to retain this staff, and that's where the importance is going to be placed. Uh, as I mentioned, this will be available on the Austroids website coming soon. Um, uh, and we look forward to you guys enjoying it. I'm going to uh, open the floor now to questions and over to Jeff to moderate. Thank you very much, uh, Adrian and Thomas. That was a very interesting presentation. Sorry, I may have taken a Quick update, Jeff, before you go to the questions. So the dashboards are available and they are already on our website. And I just sent in chat a couple of links so everyone can access them. Yeah, that's all from me. Over to you. Wonderful. Thank you, Ekaterina. So in terms of the questions, as uh, Thomas indicated, we've got a little bit of time for questions. Now, we've got a couple of questions put forward to the chat that are more as statements. So I'll just read them as statements. They're so probably not appropriate to, to answer, but they're in relation to the opportunities if we talk about diversity, how, uh, how we can make sure older people get a fair go in terms of the job process. But there's also one in relation to uh, advertisements and making sure that they're, they're available. And as I say, it's probably outside the scope of this presentation, but we'll certainly pass those on to... Uh, our members to make sure things are uh, advertised quite well. Yeah. I will say, Jeff, that we do a lot of work in the across the infrastructure industry, um, and the the findings that we had in the road space are, are similar to other industry sectors in the way that a lot more we think can be done to improve participation, diversity, and inclusion, um, and that will help us make the, the most use of, of the labour resources that are out there. Even, mm. you know, attracting more women into the industry or a range of, for a range of roles um, would have a significant impact on the, the, some of the capability deficits that we see in the, in the near term. Thanks, Adrian. Now, we do have a question in relation to, given the skills shortages, uh, has there been an offshoring of consultancy work to uh, engineers overseas, for example? Have we found that or did, did that come up in any of the interviews? It's it's not something that's quantified in our study because we're focused on the Australian sort of skills pressure, but that's definitely what is happening. <laughs> um, you, Even though I'm not sure what agencies are, are realising, but certainly in the private sector, um, particularly when there is a lot of design work put out all at once, um, we are seeing that overflow being taken through offshore sort of channels where there is cheaper resources or just a, a broader availability. Uh, one area which really struck out in the, or struck with me in the, in the interviews was ideas around technology and, and digital engineering. And we're seeing a greater and greater emphasis being placed on digital engineering, digital twin, um, you know, making sure that we've got the appropriate software and design that a whole range of stakeholders can comment on those designs and, and work on it. And not only that, we can use those designs within a digital framework to inform future sort of design work or, or other projects. The, the problem that we've got is that we're, you know, what industry tells us and, and what agencies have told us through um, the interviews for this study is that we're very much behind the eight ball on that. Um, that overseas, they're, they're a bit more mature in the development of those uh, digital engineering skills. Um, and so in the near term, I suspect, we will see more offshoring of that digital engineering capability until we're able to grow it more internally within Australia. Okay. Thanks, Adrian, and I, I expect that it's something Austroids can help with, given we're developing the Guide to Digital Engineering, which will help give us a, a nationally consistent approach. Yeah. Now, Ekaterina, I cannot see any other questions, so I've 
I've gone through the three that were on the screen. Unless there are any other questions that people want to pop into the chat, we might call this a day. We can give people maybe uh, a uh, half a minute to come up with some more questions. And if we don't have any questions, then we'll wrap up. Just let's wait a little bit. <laughs> That's all right. But, but look, thank you, Adrian, and thank you, Thomas. As, a, as um, you both showed, there is a vast amount of information in there that I think is certainly going to help uh, roads and transport agencies across Australia and New Zealand, but also industry. I think there are, as you've identified, a significant number of challenges, particularly in the vocational education sector, and that the trends mm. that you identified last time are continuing. And for us in Australia, the implications are probably not just for the roads and infrastructure sector, but uh, probably for, I imagine, other like sectors where vocational skills are, are important, but what we're seeing is a, is a potential decline. Yeah, I think it's really good that we're updating this on a regular basis for you too, because we're already seeing like infrastructure reviews and, and other things. It's the demand profile particularly is going to shift significantly, we suspect over the coming year. Um, what might concern me is if there is a desire to shift things to a point where we already know a lot of other activity will be taking place. Um, yeah. There's actually, I think less um, less fat in the system, if you want to call it that, across the construction industry in the latter half of this decade. And so what we'd really like to see is, is better planning um, of road projects uh, and, and across agencies and across uh, the national government um, to make sure that, you know, we can do this in a sustainable way and meet everyone's objectives. And certainly know that's a priority for Minister Catherine King at the national level, working with the governments on making a, a sustainable uh, pipeline and also working with Infrastructure Australia who have a significant role and they're taking a, a very keen and active interest. So I think, Ekaterina, that might draw us yeah. to the end of the question. So I'll hand back to you. Thank you so much. Thanks so much, everyone. Uh, I just have a couple of slides to finish up the session. As you can see on the screen, um, we have more webinars coming up in October and November. So if you are interested in any of the session, uh, sessions, please go to our website, have a look and register. Um, and as we close out today's session, a questionnaire will um, pop up on your screen. Please take a couple of minutes to send us your feedback. Um, let us know what you liked or didn't like about the session and what suggestions you have for future webinars. Um, once again, today's session has been recorded and we will send you the link um, to the recording when it's published on our website. Thanks again, everyone. Stay well and safe um, and enjoy the rest of your day.